0: Well, good evening, everyone. This is our first episode of New Life Question Time. Tonight we're in North Allerton, as David Dimbleby would say. And the question that has been posed tonight is what questions have you always wanted to ask about the gifts of the Holy Spirit? And so we had about 20 questions that were put to us, and I've put them together in uh, eight questions here, which we'll have, if we've got time, the panel to answer. And there'll be plenty of opportunity for you to ask supplementary questions or make comments, as long as they're polite, to the panel. Simon Myers has kindly offered to be the roving mic tonight, so he will pop up with the microphone. So please, if you've got a question to ask or a comment to make, please put your hand up so that we can all hear. Tonight is being recorded. So I will introduce the panel tonight. To my right, we have Greg, for those of you who don't know, Sue, Marjorie, Glenn, and Andy. Give them a round of applause. wonderful. So we're just going to share a short prayer, and then we'll kick off. Lord, we thank you for tonight, and we thank you for those who are here. We thank you that you have given your Holy Spirit, and we pray tonight that as we ask questions and discuss with one another, we will learn far more than we've ever known before about who the Holy Spirit is, what he does, and how we can receive from him. So we pray that you'll be present in our discussion tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, our first question, and some of these questions are about who the Holy Spirit is as well as the gifts of the Holy Spirit, is who is the Holy Spirit and how can I explain the Holy Spirit to non-Christians in a way that won't be off-putting? So, I'm going to ask Greg to start with that one. Well, somebody's got to start. Who is the Holy Spirit and how can you explain the Holy Spirit to non-Christians? Well...
1: Who is the Holy Spirit? Well, I guess it depends on the context and who is asking the question. But I think I'm
0: asking the question. All right. So, Steve,
1: if a pastor of so many years asks you the question, (laughs) your answer should probably be, "Who hired this guy?" Um, Yeah. I think if I was talking to a young person or young adult who asked that question, I might probably start with Jesus, but explain that the Holy Spirit is, in our human understanding, is one part of God. We normally basically from jesus baptism kind of divide our understanding of god into three people so god father god the son who is jesus explained through the gospels and then the holy spirit is a fully functioning active within the world uh, element of god which exists within uh, within christians but also has had some place in history in specific p- people and circumstances and what was the second part of the question
0: how do you explain the holy spirit to non-christians in a way that won't be off-putting sue do you want do you want to have a go at the second part of that question how do you explain the holy spirit
2: how would i explain the holy spirit because i thought greg did a rather good job then to to someone Um, who's a non-christian yeah i would say in a similar line that the holy spirit is three parts of what we call the trinity god the father god the son and who is jesus and God, who is the Holy Spirit, and that makes the three parts up. And the Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit lives in each of us when we invite him into our lives. And the Holy Spirit is there to teach us and guide us, to comfort us, and is that part of God that is here and now with us.
0: Okay, thanks. Glenn?
3: Uh, Yeah, the Holy Spirit's fully God. So he's not one part of God. Uh, God the Father's fully God... God the Son is fully God, and God the Holy Spirit is fully God. So it's not one-third, one-third, one-third. They're all fully God. And in terms of how would I explain the Holy Spirit to a non-Christian, I'd always come back to the Bible and particularly look at what Jesus said. And in John 14, Jesus says that the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and we'll remind you of everything I've said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. I don't give to you as the world gives. You know, so there's some really helpful insights into what the Holy Spirit does there. He stands up for us. He speaks for us. He helps us. He guides us. And he gives us peace. And we don't need to be afraid. So people who might be afraid of the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost needn't be because it's the Spirit of Jesus. The Holy Spirit comes in Jesus' name.
0: I think one of the things that people often get confused with is or well, some people think the Holy Spirit just an influence, but I think the Bible would teach us the Holy Spirit's a person. What would you say about yeah, that? Yeah,
3: absolutely. The personhood of God, God in three persons. The Holy Spirit is a person, not an influence or a power. Yeah. It's a yeah. person
0: we can get to know. Yeah. You got anything else to add to that, uh, Marjorie?
4: I think, you know, this question is, I take it perhaps this person is, is either a friend or someone who knows of my personal faith. And part of explaining it to them, really, I would feel to testify to how the Holy Spirit helps me in my daily walk in a a simple way. And for me, it's kind of saying I've tried it and it works.
0: Okay. Uh, Before we come to Andy, anyone want to comment on that or have a question, supplementary question? Yeah.
4: So, the Holy
2: Spirit's a person, you said it's a person in his own right, and he's fully God. So apart from the obvious and the fact that the Holy Spirit's on the earth here with us, does he differ from Jesus? Is he different? Or is it, are they literally the three same people, apart from obviously God's, you, God?
0: you. Do you want to have a go
5: at that? <laughs> <laughs> Can I just go back a little bit so my brain just gets into this a yep. bit? Um, so but a lot of the time we think about how to explain the Holy Spirit to someone. Well, for me we needn't worry, over-worry too much about trying to explain completely about the Holy Spirit because without the experience of the Holy Spirit in our lives or without that person receiving that knowledge you're trying to pass on um, without them experiencing the Holy Spirit in their lives sometimes you can only grasp so much knowledge of it because it's a spiritual matter um, not a physical matter and just to get to your question about the Holy Spirit being the person, he's his person. He's sorry about that. <laughs> Please continue. I'm switching my phone off. He's not a one-hit wonder. Um, he has a mind, a will, emotion. Uh, he's not a gift for the holy, but he creates that within us through relationship and through surrender um, of our walk. And giving it to him. Okay. Um, Back to the question. The
0: question is, is Angela there? Was it, say the question
2: again? Apart from the obvious in the fact that obviously Jesus went to heaven and he he left the Holy Spirit here on earth with us, how does he differ from Jesus, the Holy Spirit? Would uh, would you say, because they're three separate people.
5: Yeah. So how does the Holy Spirit differ from Jesus? Yeah. Right, yeah. Okay. Okay, I'll try and think of some scripture. So Jesus said in John chapter 14... I know we don't have all night. He said, most assuredly, I said to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these he will do, because I go to my Father. Now, why would he say, because I go to my Father? And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, mm, 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 mm. at the Spirit of Truth, whom the world cannot receive... Because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and in you. And later on it talks about the Holy Spirit taking off what is Christ and giving that and bestowing it upon us. Um, Without the Holy Spirit, Christ, this is quite a bold thing to say really, but I suppose without the Holy Spirit, Christ couldn't fulfill the work of the Father. And the Holy Spirit did the works through Christ. They were a team Okay. Mm,
0: Glenn, Glenn would you just help maybe give give us a go on that uh, one?
5: Yeah,
3: thanks Andrew. I think that that is helpful. Uh, the key thing though is Angela that there's no difference. Just as Jesus exactly represents the Father, the Holy Spirit exactly represents Jesus. He's the spirit of truth, Jesus is the truth, the Holy Spirit's the spirit of truth.
0: Okay. Any other points or questions? Yes, d- uh, Andy at the back there. When you've got the microphone to help us here, perhaps you could stand as well, if you don't mind.
6: Hi. um, I was, again, as everybody is often confused about the Holy Spirit and uh, the Trinity, a very good friend of mine who's a pastor gave me this analogy, and it's not the three wicks in the candle one. I know that one. That you stand alone, but you stand with the three parts of God, the three distinct different people of God with you. So you have God... And he said, God's behind you in all his glory, all his creative glory is there. Jesus stands in front of you, reflecting the truth of what God has created back towards you. And the Holy Spirit, the person, the gift that you've been given, the person within you, takes that reflected glory and focuses you where you need to focus God's word and work. And that has always been very helpful to me.
0: Thank you, Andy. That's helpful. Uh, I'll, we'll take one more on this, and then we'll move on from David down here. David, thank you.
7: Does this sound simple? Simply that Jesus, our Lord, is in a body, the yeah. resurrected body. The Holy Spirit is not in that way, in that form, and he can come and he can indwell each and every one that receives him. Is that okay? Thank you very much indeed. Thank you.
0: Okay. Our second question tonight, we're going to move on because we want to get through as many of these as we can and we're going to finish by 7.30. Second question, which was asked by a few people, is do all Christians have the Holy Spirit? And if not, why? And how do we receive the Holy Spirit? So, Mark, would you like to have a go at that one, please? Do all Christians have the Holy Spirit? And if not, why? And how do we receive the Holy Spirit?
4: Right. I, I'm just thinking back to the early church and... Uh, as they went around preaching and teaching, it tells us that many believed. And then with the laying on of hands, they received the Holy Spirit. And casting my mind back to when I was part of the Alpha Course team, I think it was described that when we believe, we do receive. But there is the next step, and it was put like, it's like a tiny little flame in your central heating boiler. And it keeps the boiler going fine, but there is not a fullness of of life. And the spirit is received in different ways. Sometimes people request there's laying on of hands. I just, again, personally, was many years knowing that there was more to life than this, but I was a believer and a Christian. And then in God's time, that flame came into being but it wasn't at a big conference or anything like that it was a quiet sunday night in the methodist church with a preacher who well obviously
0: do all christians have the holy spirit
4: i think they do have the holy spirit but it isn't always activated
1: okay greg well john the baptist talks about his baptism being of water and the baptism he was offering people was for forgiveness obviously at the time um, for a number of reasons i won't go into the temple was inaccessible to some people especially if they didn't have a lot of money um and so john made it accessible to everyone and called everyone to repent of the sins and he baptized with water but he warned about one who was coming who will baptize with fire and when jesus comes well, that starts to make sense to us through scripture so i think my argument might be to be a christian you'd need to be baptized with water i'm not saying full immersion is necessary you, But I think accepting Christ's forgiveness for your sins in that way, born into new life again, is necessary. But also, I'd argue, receiving the Holy Spirit is essential as well. So I think, yes, all Christians would need the baptism of water and fire. That's talked about by John.
0: Okay. Uh, Greg?
3: Greg? What's your name, Glenn? (laughs) I answer to Greg, Glenn, or Gleg. Uh, just to follow up on Greg's point, which uh, is really helpful, Acts 2, 38, Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, promises for you and your children, and for all who are far off, who will call on the name of the Lord. So that that's pretty clear, when you put your trust in Jesus, you receive the Holy Spirit. Paul and Peter as well also talk about going on being filled, so it's not just a one-off. We spend the rest of our lives asking for the Holy Spirit to fill us to overflow until Christ returns.
0: Okay, uh, before we hear from Andy and Sue, comments on that or supplementary questions. What do you think? Do all Christians have the Holy Spirit? Plethora of hands not rising.
8: Liz.
2: Yeah, I would go along with, with Marjorie. I think that's a very good description that the flame's there, it just needs to be ignited and to be allow its freedom but also picking up on what greg says god works the way god works and sometimes he knows our circumstances i was baptized in the spirit before i was baptized in water but having been a methodist i hadn't heard about baptism in water i heard about the holy spirit on the monday and on the friday i got baptized in water
0: okay Ken. ken who
9: was Yeah, we are born again of the Spirit when we accept Christ into our lives. There's no two ways about that. But from my experience, I was born again at the age of 12. I'm not going to tell you how I'm that. But it wasn't until I lived in London for over 12 months that I realized, same as Marjorie's saying, that there was a little bit more. And after being in the meeting, I was given a little book called No Other Way by Barney Coons. It talked about the filling again of God's Spirit. Okay. And I want to tell you, I went home and asked the Lord to fill me, and they couldn't hold me down, the they still can't hold
0: me down. Thanks, Ken. Was it Dan there? Thank you, Dan.
8: Um, I think sometimes it's not necessarily about just whether we choose to activate it or not, it's, it's about what we know about the Spirit already. So it's like something like, like tonight's very good because then it means that. We can make people aware of what the Holy Spirit is, because I think people are scared of it. I don't know what it is. It's like Father and Son. It's like accepted, and and you can see the relationship there. But because the Holy Spirit is something separate, there's like either an unawareness or like a sort of doubt and like a worry of what that means for me to accept the Spirit into my life as well as God the uh, Father and God the Son. So, Dan, would you say all Christians have the Holy Spirit? Yeah, I would. Yep. But I'd say some people are scared of it and therefore don't let it um, develop yep. in their walk. Yeah, very good. Thank you.
0: That's helpful, Dan. Andy?
8: Hey.
5: Yeah, Do just,
0: all Christians have the Holy Spirit?
5: This is a thing people will debate for a long time. Uh, well, not
0: tonight they won't. They'll debate. <laughs> they'll, they'll debate it for a couple I've more got f- minutes and that, Yeah, yeah. I've, got, I've
5: got 40 minutes so no, you've, you've, got you've, got two, you've got two minutes and then you'll um. be cut off <laughs> <laughs> so uh, it talks about being sealed by the spirit when you receive Christ but the Holy Spirit is omnipresent which means he's all around he's omnipresent like Samson he would come upon Samson and then he's omnipresent sorry I had to get that out because it's quite good But yeah, I believe that there's something deeper we can go with the Holy Spirit. And I've seen it. It happens differently in each person's walk. I've seen it where they receive Christ and have received the baptism of the Holy Spirit on that moment. And it's been like heat throughout the body. And I've seen it where people have had to battle and push in. My granddad Thomas, for one, received Christ. But it wasn't complete. For months he battled until he had an experience of the Holy Spirit which then changed mm. everything again. For his- I understand that,
0: but can I, can I press you? Do, you? do you think that all Christians have the Holy Spirit?
5: Well, we can't say Jesus is Lord without him, so we must do.
0: Well done. Thank you very much. Right, right answer. <laughs> <laughs> so, very briefly.
2: Very briefly, yes, I believe that all Christians have the Holy Spirit, but my own experience has been that it took a little while for me to recognize that Spirit as well. I mean, I gave my life to the Lord at 13-ish. can't really remember the date. It was one of those youth club things that happened. And mum just said, very nice, go to bed now. But then, you know, it was when I was 18, and it was one of those moments of I needed to make a big decision in my life. And to actually feel tangibly changed and confident in the decision I made was the first experience I had of what the Holy Spirit was in my life. And it was a very positive thing. So I I take on board for some people that you you can be quite fearful. It depends on how the Holy Spirit manifests itself. Um, But on the whole, I would say God loves us completely and utterly. The Holy Spirit cannot do us any harm.
0: Good. I find it very helpful to believe that every Christian cannot be a Christian without the Holy Spirit. So my, my answer to that question is every Christian has the Holy Spirit. But I turn the thing on its head. It's how much does the Holy Spirit have of me? So I was a Christian for 20-some years, well, nearly 30 years, before I experienced the fullness of the Holy Spirit. If if you think of the Holy Spirit as a person, you can't have a little bit of the Holy Spirit, because you can't have a little bit of a person. You either have the person or not. So turning it on its head, how much of me does the Holy Spirit have? And I was a Christian for, you know, 25, 30 years, and, and the Holy Spirit had a little bit of me, and then I came into the fullness of the Spirit, which is not, I didn't get any more Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit had more of me. And you may find that a helpful way of looking at that. Thank you. So, number three, which gift would God most want us to desire? Which spiritual gift? Glenn, you can go first on that one.
3: Well, 1 Corinthians, Paul gives us a lot of helpful advice. And one, bit in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 12, Since you are eager for gifts of the Spirit, try to excel in those that build up the church. That's what we should eagerly desire. And the beginning of chapter 14, it talks about eagerly desiring the gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. How does prophecy build up the church? We're hearing from God and sharing it with each other. So gifts that build up the church should be our first priority.
0: Great, thank you for that. Andy, you can go second on this one.
5: Uh, Yeah, I would agree. And also, I know we don't tend to look at it like this, but it talks about love obviously. Um, Now, We talk about just love generally. I think that, uh, but the pure love, the love of God, can only come by the Spirit of God. So therefore, could it be a spiritual gift as well? Not in the sense of prophecy, not in the sense of, but it comes by God's Spirit into our hearts. Love you mean? Love. Yeah, yeah. And when you have that love, you desire to do the right thing for the body of Christ.
0: It's interesting because Paul talks about that in First Corinthians 13.
5: Yeah. We tend not to think of
0: love in, in terms of a spiritual gift per se, but he says, you know, I can have all the gifts of prophecy, I can speak in all these tongues, I can do miracles and raise the dead, but if I don't have love, I'm nothing. Mm-hmm. So I understand what you're saying there. Thank you. That's helpful. So, what gift? Which gift would God most want us to desire? Do you think? Um,
2: Well I was in 1 Corinthians 12 and it says now eagerly desire the greater gifts but the message goes on to talk about the body of Christ and that God determines which gift we're going to have so it's quite difficult to say which one I would desire when God implants it in you I believe as a seed and then it's up to you to work with the Holy Spirit to grow it and I think God taps into what our talents are as well to enhance that gift Sorry, what was
0: other question? No, it's just the one question. Which gift would God want us to desire most? Well,
2: I believe that the, you know, as the body of Christ, God wants us each to have different gifts, so it builds up the church. Hmm. So for each one of us, God's going to use us individually.
0: I mean, arguably, if there was one gift that God wanted us all to have, and, and we all had that one gift, where would the body of Christ be? So I, I, I think your, your comment was very helpful. That God understands our personality and our character and our natural talents, and he will give us a gift accordingly. Marjorie?
5: Well,
4: very much like uh, Sue, I was in 1 Corinthians 12, and I think there's a line in there that says, these gifts are all for the edification of the church. And again, I looked at the fact it's the Spirit who will give the gift at whatever point. And... I also looked at the fruits of the Spirit, and that is love. And the important thing is, Mm. whichever of these gifts we are chosen to operate in, we operate in it with love.
0: Mm. Any comments on that from the the floor? Which gift would God most want us to to desire? Joyce? And then Deb?
2: I think for me it would be which one is applicable at the time. You know, you might be in a situation where you need discernment or wisdom. You might be Situation where you need to give a word of prophecy, so it's whatever is applicable.
0: Yeah, that's very helpful. Thank you, Joyce. David?
7: I think uh, prophecy is probably largely a verbal ministry speaking. Uh, Within that prophecy, you can have elements of the other gifts. If you're speaking and you're speaking in the inspiration of the Spirit, you could be expressing perhaps an exaltation to God, which you wouldn't normally be able to put words to to describe. In it could be elements of a word of wisdom and also a word of knowledge. And, of course, then you've got the encouragement. The Lord knows the needs and sometimes in expressing prophecy in that way that I've described it, the Spirit could be touching upon a person's circumstance. You see, and in that way, encouraging them, particularly if they're down or they're feeling the Lord's not with them. The encouragement is given through that word, and they know then the person hearing it would probably identify themselves with the circumstance described and realize that God is there, and God understands, and God is encouraged them to carry on. Thank That's you very much. much. Thank you.
4: Yeah? I was just thinking that I don't think the gifts are necessarily static like that, you know, that... If we have a gift of, I don't know, healing, it might not be, that's it for your life, you know. That Joyce said it's a case of the circumstances in our life can dictate the gifts that we need. And I think that's obvious at the time, hopefully. I think that's,
0: that's a good point, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, thank you very much. That's very helpful. Yeah.
9: Yeah, well, the Holy Spirit is the giver of the gifts. That's absolutely definite. But there are... Each person in the church, born again of the Spirit, will have a gift of some description. But it's up to them to actually know what gift it is and then to use it. There are some gifts not mentioned too much, like serving. We don't hear that much. Hospitality. We don't have hear that much. But these are gifts you don't hear mentioned much. You hear the main body gifts mentioned. But yes, they are for the
0: edification and the building up of God's church. Thanks, Ken. Uh, Jono at the front here.
10: Yeah, I think with Bible translation, it's really interesting because when they translate the Bible, they give us headings. So, for example, in 1 Corinthians 12, which is where I'm looking right now, Paul's writing this letter to us, and at verse 12, I get the heading, one body with many parts. And that's really helpful to us, but actually I find it's really helpful for me to not pay too much attention to that because what I feel that that can do is, for example, in 1 Corinthians 12, it can lead me to say, so Paul's talking to the Corinthians about spiritual gifts from verse 1 to verse 11, and then from verse 12, he starts speaking about one body with many parts. But actually, if you ignore that title of one body with many parts, actually, Paul is speaking about different spiritual gifts and then he goes on to speak about the human body having many parts and in verse 18 he says sorry i've gotten a bit lost looking at all the different numbers okay i was looking at it a moment ago but you know it, say, it says that there is no part of the body that is more important than the other here we go yes the body has many different parts not just one part if the foot says i'm not part of the body because i'm not a hand that doesn't make it any less part of the body and If the ear says I'm not part of the body because yeah. I'm not an eye, that would not make it any less part of the body. And, and so, for me, I feel like it's really easy to read that and think that we're talking about the body and the different people. But actually, I think that Paul is speaking to us about the spiritual gifts there. And, yeah. and so for me, that kind of says that there isn't one part that is more important or more desired for us to have.
0: Yeah.
10: I don't know that, if that.
0: Yeah, that makes that, a, that makes make a lot sense. of sense. Thank you. So I'm going to put another question to you. How do you think we discover our gifts? Anyone from the, from the audience, from the congregation? Jordan there, and then um, Duncan. How do we discover our gifts? Um, I think sometimes it's hard
3: for us ourselves to discover our gifts, but I think people that know us um,
0: can see a lot easier. So maybe if it was within life groups, get together and figure out Andrew and John or Dan might be able to see what gifts I have better than, than I can. So that's to huge friends of other people point, yeah. in the church. Thank you.
6: Duncan? I was just going to offer and, uh, a starting thought of through prayer.
0: Through prayer, yeah. That's great. Uh, someone else? It's Bob. Thanks.
8: Uh, Jen once told me that it's what you're passionate about can often lead you to find yeah. what it is. So for example, I am passionate about working with children. and Obviously, I have then discovered my gifts through working through what I like and what I enjoy doing and what I feel that I can do through your passion?
0: Yep, that's, that's very helpful.
9: Ask the Holy Spirit.
0: Yeah. Good answer. He's a
9: giver of gifts, so surely
0: he would know. Okay. Just before Glenn comes, um, Edwin?
11: Well, in my personal experience is it starts with relationship, and it's like anything, if we have that relationship with the Holy Spirit, and we don't listen, and Jesus himself, my sheep, hear my voice, and I think it's a relationship, learning to spend that time in that relationship like anything, and out of that comes the voice, which can come in a multitude of ways.
0: That's very helpful. I I know that uh, Nicky Gumbel always used to say on Alpha that people used to say to him, why on earth did he leave being a lawyer to be a vicar? And and when Nicky started to work in the church, he he never saw himself in that role. He thought, I I would never want to do that because I enjoy the law and I enjoy what I do. And then out of relationship. Edwin's right. God placed a desire in his heart to serve people in that way. And then he found he had a desire for that role, and God gave him the gift to be able to fulfill it. Glenn.
3: Yeah, how did I discover my gifts? Get involved in the life and ministry of the church, and you'll discover your gifts as you go. And as Joyce said, whatever you've got to do in that ministry you've got involved in, ask the Holy Spirit for the gifts you think you need to fulfill that ministry, and the Holy Spirit will give you them.
0: Thanks. Greg, you got a comment to make on that. How do you discover
1: your gifts? A few thoughts. Uh, Jordan, thank you for that comment. I think through life groups, there's a call there, isn't there? There's a demand for us to be encouraging one another. And so when we see our friends in church serving, helping, uh, especially if trying something new, it's our duty to be encouragers 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 and build people up in what they're doing and spot things they're doing that are helpful that love people or love god well and encourage them in it and through that they might start to realize and god might start to highlight in their lives um, what he started to do and um, so discovering our gifts Well, with young people it's not perfect system but we have a spiritual and practical gifts questionnaire which if anyone would like a copy just come and grab me at the end and i'll make a note and i'll pass it on to you it's not perfect it's a few pieces of paper but it asks about 100 questions that you answer and it helps and um, underlines for you Bible passages are about practical or spiritual gifts mentioned in the Bible that might be for you based on your answers. And it's not perfect, it's not definitive, but it's a great start of a 10 and we use that with young people and trying to help them discover
0: what God's got for them. That's great. Any other wisdom down here, Louise? And then uh, David, was that David there?
12: I found that as you step out in faith for some of the gifts that you think you might have and then as you really kind of get better at them or really get into them, I find that it can then develop into other gifts as well. And I've found that when I was younger and, and more inexperienced or kind of just starting out in my faith, I discovered certain giftings at the time. And then as I've changed and grown as a person, I've found different giftings have come to the surface or for different seasons of your life, other giftings come up. So yeah, I don't think it's like one gift for life and that's your lot. I think as you mature and as you walk with God, that there will be different times and different seasons in your life where other gifts start to come. And I think it says in the Bible that, you know, when you're trusted with a bit, then he'll be trusted with more and it will grow from there.
0: Yeah. It's very interesting, uh, the parable of the talents. You know, the man who was, they were all given a number of talents and uh, the man who had one just hid it in the ground and did nothing with it. It said those who used their talents would be given more. And I sense you often say that, don't you? People, you look at people, you think, well, they've actually got abundance of talents and I've only got one. It may be because they've actually used what they've been given in a humble way and God has blessed them with more. David.
7: It's just a brief point, but to say that within the fellowship of a large community like this, there is a great opportunity to develop your talents through training and uh, the experience of other people. yeah And I think that's absolutely brilliant.
0: Thank you, David. Dan?
8: Kind of along the lines of uh, the life group thing, but not just encouragement, but the sort of safe place to be able to test things out. So to be encouraged to give something a go and sort of feel whether it's the right thing for you. But. That doesn't mean that it's going to necessarily be easy. Some gifts that are definitely right for us to work in and uh, and, and are something we're called to, to be part of, but sometimes they'll feel difficult, and it doesn't mean that it's not the right gift for us, and it doesn't mean we shouldn't carry on ministering in that gift, but it just means that we just have to keep praying. Is, is this what God wants me to carry on doing? Is this the gift that he wants me to be working
5: in and I'm called to use within the church?
0: Thank you, Dan. Very helpful. Um, Andy's got a comment on this.
5: Yeah. Louise and Donna kind of touched what I was going to say was often I found when I've discovered a gift in my life God's put me on the spot and it's been uncomfortable and you have to take a step of faith and in order to please God well it takes faith to please God but it takes faith to activate those things as well because you have to take a step I've wrote down faith is like a binding between you and God when faith is in action, it, it demands a reaction. And I found that when I've been in a circumstance, whether it's God's given me a revelation of, for instance, there was a lady with a problem with the bottom of her back on the right hand side, and it was a lump. And it was the first time it had ever happened. And I said, "Have you got a problem with the bottom of your back?" She said, "Yes, yeah. that is on the left hand side." She said, "Yes, yeah. that is it a lump." She said, "Yes." Yeah. And that took steps. Uh, and the same with words of knowledge. You have to really get put on the spot and it stretches you. But if you want to grow that faith and that gift, it's like going to the gym. You've got to, as you can't tell, I don't do, but you've got to stretch your muscles to grow.
0: Okay, thank you. Very briefly, David.
5: I've
7: operated in the gifts of speaking with other tongues, and I find that in a church situation, you would need the unction of the Holy Spirit. You don't just simply give. You could manufacture, in a sense, what it seems to be that speaking in tongues, but the time to speak in tongues and so on is when you have an unction from the Holy Spirit, you have a witness, and you know that there's going to be an interpretation. This is a strange gift, isn't it, to have tongues by one, and then someone else responds with an interpretation. That's body ministry, isn't it? And... I've experienced interpretations of the tongue I have given, but there are times, obviously, when there's no interpreter present. So you okay. don't get the unction. Thank but you, just David. to end quickly, I've had two occasions when I've spoken in tongues under the unction, and it hasn't been interpreted. But the strange thing is, after that meeting, or those meetings, certain persons came up and said, oh, I had the interpretation, but I didn't want to give it. Which is
0: okay, thank you very much. Right, I'm going to move on to another question, which is slightly different. Do non-Christians experience the Holy Spirit? So, do non-Christians experience the Holy Spirit?
2: Do they or don't they? God loves everybody. God loves everybody in the high street, everybody in every single shop you go into. God has a passion for people. As a Christian, you invite the Holy Spirit into your life. As a non-Christian, I believe they can experience the Holy Spirit, but whether they recognize it or not is the crucial point. Because if they start to invite the Holy Spirit into the life, then the Holy Spirit will enter their life. But I think it is a point of until they get to that point, then they might just not recognize the work of the Holy Spirit. God says, he hears the prayers of all of us. We're all praying for people that are non-Christians. You know, God has a hand on everybody's life, but it's up to people to choose to recognize God. Okay, that's helpful. Thank you. Marjorie.
4: Well, this was one I... When I saw the questions, I thought, ah, right. So I turned to the Word and several passages and found often it was, on becoming a believer, they received the Holy Spirit. And I turned to another passage. And also I've heard testimonies from many people who have had the most dramatic experiences with God? They've gone from zero to being aware of God's presence without actually having any real foreknowledge about the faith and have been baptized in the Holy Spirit. And I know when I've heard them, I thought, well, why, Lord? Why did I wait 25, 30 years, you know, this person? No knowledge, and they have. So, kind of, it maybe doesn't answer the question. But I do know, you know, I I just looked to the Word because I just didn't really know whether it may be, I think as Sue says, God's Spirit works within them and there will come a time when God does break through and they realize.
0: Thanks, Marjorie. Glenn? Do
3: non-Christians experience the Holy Spirit? Yes. That's what Acts 2 is all about. Day of Pentecost, people heard the disciples declaring the wonders of God in their own language, and none of us can come to faith without the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. A non-Christian isn't filled with the Holy Spirit, but it's the Holy Spirit that brings us all to God. So yes, a non-Christian can experience the Holy Spirit in the work of conviction of sin and people come to faith.
0: Mm. I think it's interesting. I mean, if we all need the Holy Spirit to come to God, then we weren't Christians when we first encounter the Holy Spirit, then logically everybody who comes to Christ has got to have experienced the Holy Spirit, and you weren't a Christian before you were, then every n- non-Christian also has the opportunity of experiencing yeah. the Holy Spirit, biological.
3: Yeah, uh, and the whole book of yeah. Acts is uh, an outworking of that, you know, yeah. the Ethiopian eunuch, Saul, you know, that guy was never coming to faith without the Holy Spirit.
5: Yeah. Andy? Yeah, conviction comes from the Holy Spirit, and conviction comes before <laughs> we surrender, so... Yeah, the Holy Spirit does. And also, through miracles, uh, people get healed who aren't believers and have seen it. And as Glenn said, Paul, good example.
0: Okay, thank you. These questions, of course, are not our questions. They're questions that have come from the congregation. So another question that was asked a few times is, why do some Christians believe the gifts of the Holy Spirit have ceased? Who wants to start with that one? Greg? Why do some Christians believe the gifts of the Holy Spirit have ceased? met christians who have
1: stated that they believe we're living in a time when the gifts of the spirit have ceased i disagreed i found that hard to contend with i don't see anything in scripture that says this is for a period or this is a strategic moment in history where god's building the church and need the spiritual gifts now but they at some point will not need these tools um, because i think as mentioned today the gifts of the spirit are tools that god uses to build this church and every christian is given a tool to start work to put their hands to work to create this living building that is church that is us i don't see anything in scripture that would support that at all but i understand that if the denomination in which you grew up or the church specifically in which you grew up didn't function with them as a normal part of everyday worship and witness I understand why you may think that. Whether that's down to a lack of faith or just a lack of practice, that wouldn't be fair for me to judge. But on a biblical grounds, I disagree
0: that the gifts of the Spirit have ceased. Okay, Andy, do you
1: find cool. your notes yet?
5: I did. The question was uh, why do some Christians believe that the gifts of the Spirit have ceased? Also, I had a conversation with some um, Jehovah Witnesses once, and uh, they definitely don't believe in the gifts of the Spirit. But the chances
0: do don't believe in, but never mind. <laughs>
5: the chances are that it's the people that have seized the Holy Spirit from their lives, saying they're open but with no surrender or thought. It is never that God has seized. Okay. Only the person. Thank you. Glenn?
3: Uh, to be fair to that side of the argument, I don't think many folk would say the gifts of the Spirit have ceased They would say the charismatic gifts of the spirit have ceased. I watched a podcast debate between Andrew Wilson, a charismatic Christian, and Simon R. Scott, a reformed Christian. And uh, Simon's explanation was Jesus Christ is fully revealed God. So that's kind of where that argument's coming from. Whether we agree with it or not, I don't agree with that. But that's that argument. Jesus Christ is fully revealed God and so that finished at the end of the New Testament as we received the full Word of God. So that's where that argument's coming from. Yep, and if you yep. want to watch that podcast, well, that one's on radio, actually, Premier Christian Radio, the Unbelievable series. It's really good. It's like an hour, an hour and a half of topics where two people just debate a topic, and that's one of them, have the gifts ceased. So I'd recommend that. be helpful for you.
0: Anyone else who has not spoken up here like to comment on that?
2: Well, this was a new one on me, so I went to Google, <laughs> which I wouldn't recommend. Uh, it's been given a title of cessationism. It certainly has. Cessationism, as in ceasing things. And what I read there was that some people believe that the God's gifts were exclusive to the apostles, and they have since died long ago. And that was the reason for it. I'd happen not to agree to it because I've just believed, you know, how many times that we witness or I have personally witnessed those gifts in lots of different people and I've witnessed miracles as well. Okay, thank you.
0: Any points from the Brian?
11: Yeah. John chapter seven, where Jesus said, Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within him. By this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. There's no end to that.
0: Thank you. Ken.
11: Yeah,
9: the gifts hasn't uh, exceeded or shouldn't have done, but there are churches. I, I'm going to. I came from a church that said the Acts of the Apostles was non-valuable for today, and so the gifts did not operate any longer. I'm going to be honest with you. I got chucked out of the church. No. Because of that reason, <laughs> it's true so true yeah yeah but if I was to say that church today has round about 25 people that used to have somewhere in the region of 150 to 200 people and that church is a dying church
0: yeah yeah I mean I I was brought up in a church that did not believe that the charismatic gifts of the Holy Spirit were for today so for the first 20 odd years of my life that's what I was led to believe that these things were not for today and, you know, they have their reasons, that, uh, similar to the reasons that uh, Glenn's already given, that it was for the, the, the launching of the church, it was for the apostles. Um, but uh, I came into the light sometime later. Any other comments on that?
8: Sorry, I'm a bit confused
10: on what the charismatic gifts are. Do
0: you want to explain that, Glenn? So all
3: gifts are charismatic, I would say. But, yeah. you know, when people talk about charismatic gifts, they're usually talking about, the gift of tongues, which David was talking about, prophecy, those kind of headline gifts that we see in the New Testament, that's what they're referring to, that they've ceased because we don't need them anymore. that That's what that is. Ben, does that clarify? that help? I
1: think, I think the word supernatural, the stuff where the yeah. supernatural is very
0: obvious, those kind of gifts, that will be termed as yeah, charismatic. Okay. Our last question, it's not the last question, but it's the last one we're going to do tonight, is how best can we use the gifts to please God and build the church? Sue, this is about the use of the gifts, really, isn't it?
2: Use of the gifts. Be like Jesus. You know, follow Jesus' guide. I think what was made a comment before, that God will give you the gifts as you need them in whatever situation. But also, I don't believe God gives everybody every gift because it is about sharing the gifts you know, we could say that we want the gift of knowledge just so we could be nosy. Uh, that's not what God wants us to do, is it, really? Because we've become prideful. So I think we use the gift that God gives us in the best way that we can. And I just love the verse of 1 Corinthians 10:31: In all things, give glory to God. And if that's when you're using your gift, you're giving glory to God, then that's going to edify the church. Thanks, that's helpful. Greg,
0: how should we use our gifts to, to build the church and to please God?
1: If you'd like to do some further reading, if you haven't already, I recommend a book of 1 Corinthians, especially chapter 12, 13, and 14. If you look at 12, verse 7, it said the Spirit's presence is shown in some way in each person within the church. This is talking about for the good of all. And so, in terms of using your gift, I'd say it goes back to Jesus' teaching, parable of the talents. You've been given your bag of money, your talents, your time, your ability, your passions, your gifts. And you're not to bury it, hide it in the ground and keep it to yourself. You're to use it for the good of all. And that's basically pointing people towards God. So that's the best use of your talent is to use it. And I also say don't be afraid. I think if there was a fourth servant in that parable, I'm putting words into Jesus' mouth here, so I apologize. But if there was a fourth servant who was given a talent and tried to invest it and just failed, I think the master would say well done good and faithful servant you, oh. you gave it a go and i think we need to be a, as a church a safe space where people yeah. who have passion drive ability think they want to try something out to give that a go and get good feedback and prayer from good supporting brothers and sisters and to just to give it a go and not be afraid to put yeah. your hand in and try and support people for the good of all that's a good point thank you
0: Andy.
5: Again, I think I said it earlier, we please God by stepping out in faith. Um, when we step out in faith, when he shows us something for one another, or maybe a word of encouragement, maybe laying on the hands for healing. And as John o read that scripture, I wrote this down today, uh, we are the body of Christ, maybe I am the leg, maybe you are the eye, the leg needs the eye to see which direction it needs to step. With the body working in unity, that church won't move if the body isn't working in unity.
0: That's it, thank you very much Andy. Marjorie, use of the gifts, building the church, pleasing God.
4: Right, well for me step one and I think for a lot of us, be willing to let God work in your life and show you your gift. I always tremble when from the front we're encouraged to step out of the box, but unless we step out of the box we ain't going to be able to find out what the gift is. We might think it's our gift like the person who thinks they're a wonderful singer and the rest of us cringe. But this is, again... Confession's you know. good for
0: the soul, Dan. <laughs> yeah.
4: But this is the thing. Be willing. God will show us. God will use us. And also, take notice of those around you who come up and say, I'm the first one to be guilty when somebody says, sort of, you know, I think you would be The right person for that and what my usual thing is there must be somebody else around here who can do it and i just thank the lord that at my age i am just learning to take notice of other people and realize god speaks to them for me and also to try and get out of that box thank you glenn
3: Uh, just a couple of things um sue said use them like jesus would which is i think great advice and that simply means you know praying for the fruit of the spirit as well as the gifts of the Spirit, you know, love, joy, peace, love, faith, and hope. It's up there on our wall. You know, use it with the right intention. A pastor I used to work with in Scotland had this great phrase, which I found really helpful. Uh, The gifts of the Spirit are tools to be used, not toys to be played with. They're not for our own self-fulfillment. They're for the benefit of others.
0: I've just written down the word serve. I think that's the way we should use the gifts in the church to serve one another. And by serving one another, we have the right attitude, don't we? We put ourselves, others before ourselves, and by serving one another, we serve the Lord, don't we? Any other last comments on how we should use the gifts in the church? Okay, uh, Phil, yeah, and then Alan. Just
10: a quick one. In within the church, I think the key thing is accountability. If you're going to exercise gifts, you have to be prepared to submit to accountability. yeah. Uh, which comes back to your thing of toys, and that you know, this is about a body, yeah. and we have to be prepared to act in humility as well as in boldness.
0: Very good point, thank you, Phil. Alan, I always go back to creation
3: <coughs> the spirit is the creative power behind the universe, and, and the Bible says, You who are fathers, you give good gifts to your children. Mm. How much more will God give the Holy Spirit to you if you ask Him? Mm. And I think sometimes we underestimate the power. You know, the, the Bible, I think, it describes the Holy Spirit, uh, is it the Hebrew, or the Greek, dynamis, which is the dynamite, dynamite yes. uh, you know, the power that is within us. We sometimes underestimate what we have and what God can do through us if we just listen and ask him to come in.
0: And it's no mystery, just ask him and see what he does. Thank you very much, Alan. Um, there's uh, Robin. Thank you so much.
8: Do you think each person has one specific gift that is like their main one or can they have lots of little ones that are equally as important
1: greg that's a great question it's um, a good question in my experience in church life it's been fairly rare i have seen someone who hasn't displayed elements or abilities in a few different areas of the spirit if they are living out for god and serving him but then again, I think it's, a, as mentioned before, it's of the spirit to do the giving. And so we're there to receive and to be obedience. the key word, really, oh. that we're to be obedient to what God's given us and the talents that he's given us and wants us um, to function in those and build the church with those. But yeah, that's a really good question. You want to comment
0: on that, Glenn?
3: Yeah, I guess as you, as you mature as a Christian, you may major in one or two gifts. Like I'm a pastor and a teacher. I guess I would major in those two gifts. But it doesn't mean we don't can't use other gifts I, under against the, the spirit like joyce was saying you know god will give us the gifts
0: we need to do his work brian and then louise
11: when we're baptized in the holy spirit the very first gift will be the gift of tongues hmm. and that is often for our own building up hmm. one corinthians 14 it edifies us builds us up if we're faithful in using that gift then that begins to open the door to the other gifts. So we're walking with God, we're talking with Him Mm. in our private communication. The second gift that David mentioned would be a public gift of tongues. Mm. And people don't often separate the two because you have a gift of tongues and most people baptized in the Spirit should receive that. Then you're building up your spirit uh, for God and you're talking to Him all the time. A public tongue is something else. However, having said that... Nobody will ever know if they have the gift of the interpretation of a tongue unless we hear it in public.
0: Okay. Not wanting to knock that particular subject on the head, but we are coming to an end, so I don't want to start a separate discussion tonight about tongues. That's not knocking the subject on the head. It's literally we're out of time. But there was somebody else who put their hand up. Uh, Louise? Um,
12: I think one of the best ways of knowing how or when to use a gift is to be... Involved enough in your church and wider community and connected enough to be aware of any need that is there. And that's when you know when to use your gift. You ask, well, what have I got to give? There's needs here. And mm. just being committed and in- involved enough within a community to be aware of the need for that gift to be used.
0: Yeah, thank you. And I, I do think, you know. God doesn't make every church exactly the same and every body every body of Christ every local representation of the body of Christ the same and the way in which certain gifts will be used and I'm just thinking about this now really the way in which certain gifts will be used in certain times and in certain churches will be different to others and because they're different doesn't mean they're wrong God is a god of huge variety and what works in one Particular environment, spiritual environment, will not work in another, and we should be careful not to impose what we see somewhere else upon our own. I think that's really very, very, because we can be very damaged if we try to do a replication job.
3: Can I I comment briefly on the gift of tongues? Just to say, and I know Brian's not saying this, if you've asked for the gift of tongues and you haven't received it, which would be true for a lot of Christians, Mm. that doesn't mean you're any some sort of second class Christian. Uh, that you've not arrived or anything like that and you can't receive other gifts i don't think the bible teaches that yeah it's a gift it's a great gift uh, and we can ask for it and, you know god gives us it but you know not everyone has the same gifts as we've been talking about right. in corinthians
0: okay I'm, i said we'd finish at half past i've already failed so i'm going to ask glenn if he'd say a prayer to, to finish with us tonight thank you for your participation and we will be, as David Dimbleby would say, we'll be in another location. Next time we'll be, oh, we'll be in North Allerton again <laughs> with another subject. Thanks. Yeah, guys. thanks for
3: participating, everyone. It's been really helpful. Uh, thanks to all you guys. So we pray, come Holy Spirit, and fill us overflowing with the fruit of your spirit and with the gifts of your spirit. We thank you for every person here and every gift represented here. And we pray, Holy Spirit, that you will empower us and inspire us to take those gifts and use them for the furtherance of your kingdom. In Christ's name.
0: Amen. Amen. Thanks for coming and thank you to the panel.